Hello, everyone, and welcome to In This Economy, the podcast where young people from Zimbabwe and around the world discuss how they are navigating life in the current economic circumstances with me, your host, Kim Nyajeka. Now, I know this week's episode is coming to you a little bit later than usual. I really have no other excuse than the Zimbabwe situation really catching up with me this week. Um, It's the beginning of the rainy season, and with the rain comes the power cuts. And of course, no electricity for 24 hours just slows everything down. Um, But I also think that really provides a stark backdrop for today's episode, where me and my guest will be discussing formal employment in this economy, and just unpacking how the circumstances in Zimbabwe bring a lot of insecurity to even the most secure and reputable jobs. So I do hope you enjoy. Please do not forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at In This Economy Podcast and to follow me, your host, at Kim Yajeka on Twitter. I always love getting your comments and your engagement. So yeah, let's get into the episode. All right, so today we are discussing formal employment in this economy with my wonderful guest, Sola. How are you? Hi, Kim. Really happy to be here. Thank you Hope so you're much. Good. I'm good, thank you. Uh, like you said, my name is Zola, Zola Njovu, and I really love people. I really love God. Um, what I do during the day is commercial law, and my particular area that I'm interested is interested in is intellectual property law. I'm also a singer and a songwriter. No, that's so great. Um, so for today's episode, I think because you're such like a well-rounded person, and I only really know you from social media, I just thought it would be interesting to <laughs> just explore what being formally employed in Zimbabwe has been like for you and what you've experienced mm. so far um, in the context of having finished university and then going like straight into work and all the interesting things it seems like you've done so far. So my first question to you is, is formal employment anything like how you imagined it would be growing up? I would say yes and no. So the ways in which it is like I imagined is because my mom worked in like a corporate setting when I was growing up and she used to bring me to her office. So it's always been my dream to work in in a corporate setting and to so in one sense because of watching her growing up there are things that i'm doing now that are not like they're not surprising if you know what i mean it's not like a complete oh my goodness this is completely outside of what i imagined it to be but also you know the thing is with me i never actually wanted to i studied in south africa and when I was done with university, I really didn't want to come back to Zim because I just felt, man, like I, it's for various reasons, because of the economy, but also because of like some aspects of our culture, which are very conservative, I guess, mm-hmm. is, is the word I would use. It, it just felt sad to come back, you know, having been out there um so having come back i was surprised to so it's it's maybe growing the growing up part would be um between high school and at the end of varsity i never imagined that i would find a formal workplace quote unquote that i actually enjoyed that actually captured some of my values um, so in that sense, it's actually been surprising to me that there are people out there that 
I can relate to because I, I feel like to some extent I felt like Zim wasn't home anymore after I'd been away. Yeah, I think um I completely understand what you're saying. But because for me, in my experience, of course, when I went to university, I also didn't plan on coming home mostly for economic mm-hmm. reasons. Um, just mm-hmm. because growing up, I would watch shows like Suits and Ugly Betty and all of those kinds of things. <laughs> and I wanted to be running around in some big city, you know, catching a cab, you know, getting my own apartment, yes, doing all yes. that nice stuff. And it just didn't seem as if that was <laughs> yeah. an option in Zim. I mean, for many people, it still isn't. But that's how I imagined, yeah. you know, yeah. being formally employed would be like. So those were mostly my because mm-hmm. I had like this image of what it's supposed to be. And in my experience so far, it mm-hmm. definitely isn't. Um, it's de- mm-hmm. a lot of the things I was concerned about have actually come to fruition, not in like that I feel mm. stifled or uncomfortable or anything like that. But it's things like, oh, if I, I was concerned, if I came to Zim, I wouldn't be, a- be able to afford X, Y and Z. And that's just the reality mm. of the situation. But also it's the idea mm-hmm. that you work so, so, so much and the time frame for which you get a return is not quick at all. It's such a slow mm-hmm. and grinding process. And mm-hmm. also the hustle culture here, as much as it is in first world countries, it's encouraged to have multiple streams of income. But here it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Like if you imagine mm-hmm. living at, living outside of home or you want a car or something, you need to be doing a lot of things at once in order to, you know, make those ends meet. So it's mm-hmm. not as, I guess, uh, another part of it, it's not as secure as I grew up thinking it would be. I thought it was you go to uni, mm-hmm. get a job, everything's secure. You know what I mean? And, and so I guess it's important then to like point out that Zim is a place with so many different experiences happening at the same time mm-hmm. because for a lot of people it it is literally easier or easy it is easy for it just depends on where you get a job mm-hmm. so i know that um there are people who will get a job for example at a bank and they can afford to buy a house within the first five years simply because of the benefits that come through when you're working for a bank. Mm. But it's a very unequal place. Um, and, you know, even within, so there's obviously formal employment and informal employment, but even within formal employment, there are levels, you know, they're really small or medium-sized businesses that are employing people formally. And that's a different experience to being employed by an institution, which has been around for 20 to uh 40 years or whatever, whatever number you want to use. So I think it's, it's an interesting question, um, which people would answer very differently depending on where they're located and even depending on their actual degree or education that they have. So um, Mm -hmm. do you think the current economic situation in Zimbabwe has affected the workplace culture? With that Mm -hmm. question, how I was looking at it Mm -hmm. was because when I was younger, visiting my parents' workplace, mm-hmm. people, there was like very clear hierarchies, um, people, it was kind mm-hmm. of similar to like a high school situation where, you know, you have pe- the people above, the people below. And also there was mm-hmm. a level of like courteousness. Um, there was a level of urgency as well that I don't feel like is experienced mm-hmm. in many places at the moment. So with mm-hmm. the way I think things are supposed to be, in your experience, do you think 
that with how difficult it is to get anything done here, whether it's electricity, mm. transport, all of those things, has it affected the mm. expectations of like the workplace culture? So I've worked in, I've worked in South Africa and I've worked in Zim, right? Mm-hmm. And I've worked in, but it's very two, like completely different industries. In South Africa, I was working in the publishing industry for a magazine. Mm-hmm. In Zim, I'm working for a law firm. So they have very different cultures and they're very, you know, different um, industries. And I think, well, definitely the economy has affected workplace culture. But you see, I, I don't, there's so many, it's, it's such a complex question, Kim, because the workplace your parents um, were in or the workplace my parents were in is influenced by different things. So part of it, there is like, colonialism and how if you look at uh, maybe I can ask you um how old are your parents um they're 50s so they're relatively um they're younger than my parents would have been right so but even then like zim in your parents time like when your parents were first entering the workplace is a different zim to now and it's not just a thing it's it's also to do with the fact that um, a lot of back then, a lot of the people who actually owned these businesses were white. Um, whereas now, if, if you're working formally in Zim, it's black owned. And that also changes the culture a little bit. And then I, I definitely think Kim, there's a lot of, there's a culture of like scarcity within Zim because of the economy. And that means that, so even when you talk about, for example, the track is so long, like the, the return on the work that you put in is so long. Part of that, in my thinking, has to do with the scarcity mentality. People don't want to give away too much too soon because they're like, hey, I have to make as much money as possible while I'm here. Um, and I have to like, I'm not going to be promoting or, you know, giving shares or equity to younger people for too long because I need to take care of my responsibility. So even when you're, when, when I'm looking at my track, that may, that may be, you know, taken into account where it's like, eh, I'm not really keen to let people come up behind me for that reason. Is that making sense? There's definitely a culture of like the older people wanting to hold on to their power and position and the, the economic benefits. And they're not unlike in other, in other cultures where, or in other countries where um, economically, maybe they're more pos- prosperous relative to us. There's a lot less, um, there's a lot more promotion of young people out there. And like, even if you compare with your friends, um, if you look at what they're earning at, at that level, it's, it's, a, it's a whole other culture because of just the way that there's, there's, there's more of a, a mentality of prosperity and like growth, whereas here it's very scarce and people are scared to let go and to give, to give people. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the scarcity part is very true. And I think one thing that it, what impacts young people is the fact that like you can be earning a little bit or you know you could have a very toxic work environment but because you're just grateful to have a job and grateful Mm -hmm. to be earning a salary you put up with a lot of things Mm -hmm. that are unhealthy and it does you know chip Mm -hmm. away at you mentally and emotionally and everything but because of the scarcity this mindset of scarcity it's like well I don't know that I'm going to 
find another job that maybe pays a little bit mm -hmm. better than you know what's being offered out there i really like what you said about that and it really does impact the mm -hmm. way we look at work but also how we interact with each other on that level but because mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. all of these mm -hmm. factors coming in now and the way the world is changing about workplace you know there's acknowledgements of things like burnout and you know being allowed you know, mm -hmm. just taking care of your employees' mental health and physical well-being and all of those kinds of things. Do you think in Zimbabwe that there's room for workplace policies that promote employee mental health and well-being? Things like a four-day work week, um, one-year options for paid maternity leave, um, counseling service mm -hmm. in-house, like all of those kinds of things. Do you think there's room for that in Zimbabwe? In from what you've experienced? Mm -hmm. Maybe just before I answer that, Kim, just one more thing that you mentioned, and it, it has to do, you mentioned hierarchical culture. I think another thing that I've observed in Zim is this very huge gap between like people who are considered professionals or like, you know, the highly educated versus the quote unquote lower level unskilled employees mm -hmm. and how because the, the thing is, the thing that I've observed um, with the economy is that when I when I join a company or firm in you know year one, like my income is very low. But by the time I get to year five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, my income has is in, has increased significantly. Right, mm -hmm. I I can probably double it within that period, or even triple or more. Right. But if you look at someone who's unskilled, using the word that economists use, if you look at someone who's unskilled, year one, they join, year five, they're still literally at the same place. And that is that creates a, a, a cultural problem because it's it's almost like people don't because economic value, value is expressed in also what you give someone in terms of money. And there's this huge gap that grows and grows and grows because of the way our economy is. Um, and because like if you're an unskilled person who's coming into the workplace, the opportunities that you have to develop yourself are so rare because you're just trying to survive. And like in other places where, you know, you hear about people who even got law degrees while they were working in a particular, you know, or got a software development qualification and were able to develop themselves. And so I've observed that um, that's actually a big thing. And it's a bit, it's, it's scary how wide the gap becomes. Um, and it's, it's very much connected to the way our economy is set up to benefit those who are all, you're already ahead, but the way the economy is set up is you're just going to keep getting ahead. Um, and, and that's something that affects work culture and that, reinforces those hierarchies in society as well as at work. I never even considered the skilled labor and that there's no room mm -hmm. for, I guess, meritocracy in what we would call unskilled mm -hmm. labor or non-professional work. And mm -hmm. that just adds another layer to how we look at, you know, the way we see workplace culture, because in, in, in Zimbabwe, the one thing that hasn't changed is the demarcation between the professionals and the non-professionals. I think yes. even where yes. there is the support Spot staff on. or whatever, that part mm -hmm. hasn't changed at all. Where when I had a little bit of work experience interning in Europe, um, one thing that mm -hmm. was interesting is you never saw the what we would call support staff you never saw the cleaners the cleaners would come in the odd hours of night so if you never even had a relationship 
with you know the person making tea every day or the assistants or anything mm -hmm. because i guess over there you make your own tea regardless of who you are that's to start off mm -hmm. with but there was no mm -hmm. um that hierarchy isn't there it's a lot more fluid and sometimes I feel like that's really mm. indicative of the economic situation as well, where as a junior, it's not too many steps before I get to the same almost level as my senior. And I have people that I'm supervising, whereas in Zimbabwe, mm -hmm. because of the scarcity, there's the I need to protect my job. So maybe I don't make life as easy for juniors or maybe promotion just becomes that much harder. Or maybe if people mm -hmm. aren't retiring as soon as they should, it means that your opportunities to actually get promoted are much, much less. So that really does mm -hmm. impact the way we interact with each other. Yeah. 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 And then to maybe get into your, your question about um, whether I think there's room for workplace policies that promote employee mental health. Mm -hmm and well-being. And you gave some examples of, of those different things. I think the first thing that I'll say, so there are lots of good things to say about Zim, right? Mm. But one thing I really want to do, like one of my aims today was to like criticize. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I think there needs to be more um, and like we're not doing enough and we're too, we're too conservative and traditional and stuck and i it's it's one of my like pain points because it's it's almost like we're stuck in this like we're all we're exposed to different things and you know people have gone to different places but in some ways it feels like zim is stuck i don't know is it 1970s I, like i don't even know which years which decades to put us in <laughs> Um, so, so with that said, I, I think it, like the question of whether there's room for workplace policies, I think again, Kim, there's a huge divide. Places of formal employment, which are multinational companies, let's say, and they're very much influenced by global policy. So in places like that, um, there's a recognition of the importance of mental health. You know, you won't you won't hear people making jokes about depression and any other mental health issues. And it's very much like you can take mental health days, but it's because it's influenced by an outside policy that's like binding on that local office. And then generally, like, like outside of those, I really feel like people aren't doing anything about mm -hmm. that. And I think it, the thing is that it trickles down from from the government policy level to everyone else. Because if you look at it, the government doesn't even have proper mental health institutions or facilities. If if I ask you, where do you go for if, if someone needs help, like just a normal person, like not, not, a, not a working person or a wealthy person, just anyone. If someone working on the street needs help with, with their mental health, needs mental health support, where do they go? It's so hard to even think of those places. There's maybe like one place, and I'm told there are 19 registered clinical psychologists in Zim, something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's from a government policy level. That problem comes from government policy. Mm. So when you talk about stuff like one-year options for maternity leave, I'm like, girl, like, no, like that is not going to happen. <laughs> There's no, yeah. you know, and it's, and, and it's just, there's so many things that are going into that. This maternity leave thing. I mean, to even take maternity leave, normal statutory maternity leave, it's like drawing blood from a rock. Like it's, mm. 
it's you're perceived a certain way because we're still still very male dominated employers still feel iffy about like employing women because of um you know she'll get pregnant and then she'll leave you know like mm-hmm. employers still what ask questions like that in interviews i have examples of this actually happening like okay do you plan on having children anytime soon are you married you know that kind of thing which shows you the attitudes that people have so i think there's definitely room well there's room for for us to you know start talking about those things but i think there's a generational gap as well because for me a four day work week that that's not even why can't we do that but when you speak to people who are in leadership with informal um workplaces there's so many reasons why they wouldn't want to do that mm. and yet there's so there there actually clear benefits like research has shown that you're more productive if you can work from home or if you can, if you can get one day off if your hours are more flexible you're happier you're more engaged um but we're still very much stuck in this decade in the past um and we still have skewed perceptions of things like maternity leave free counseling services like i i don't know or like what would have to happen for that to actually yeah. happen so yeah i'm very like i'm very critical of of that part of in terms of my experience and what i've seen the question for the maternity leave was really sh- came from a, a a conversation i had with a friend of mine um and mm-hmm. he works at one of the golden circle accounting firms in the uk office mm-hmm. and he was just mm-hmm. like him it's been 2 years since i've seen my supervisor i'm like how she's like she's had two kids consecutively and has been on paid maternity leave for all two kids and because the policy is just so flexible you know she came in wow. office i think one week or two or three weeks before she had her second child and then her leave kick started again and i was just like what what is the fantasy <laughs> land is that like it when i yeah. then you know think about how here the statutory maternity leave is such a short period of time um companies mm-hmm. aren't really flexible about that and even um when i was interning um at a, at a at a firm in zim i was in my final year of law school and um the supervisor um at my exit interview was like okay so what are your plans and i said you know i'm hoping to do a masters and then um you know continue working doing all of that and he was just like yeah you should definitely um get the masters and also do you plan on having children yeah have the children now and then start your career and i was literally just like that's a bit invasive <laughs> <laughs> that's a little invasive wow. but that kind of really like shook me because i guess wow. that's something he would definitely be concerned yeah. about if i was ever going to come back to that place but it just spoke to a bigger yeah, workplace culture in the country where they're like yeah mm-hmm. no, you're a woman you're probably going to want to have children and that's something we're definitely mm-hmm. considering but with mm-hmm. the culture mm-hmm. and mindset that we have in mind Do you think that there's actually room to challenge social justice issues in the workplace in Zimbabwe? So, um I know there was a report that was released I think by the Zimbabwe Women's Lawyers Association a couple of years ago mm-hmm. that spoke mm-hmm. to how a lot of corporate um companies firms all of those do not have sexual harassment policies. Um mm-hmm. there are policies that are applicable to some grades of workers and not all grades of workers. Um things like mm-hmm. if you're given a fuel allowance um as part of your salary but you're dependent on public transport and they're like, "Well, you know, you need to figure things out." Um so do you think there's mm. actually room considering the culture here to challenge those kinds of social justice issues? Yeah, I think 
I think we can. But for me, it begins with challenging the culture, the very conservative things should be as they always were. Young people don't have a voice. I think that's what we need to challenge. Women don't have a voice. That's where we need to start because, and even um, disabled people don't have a voice. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of, that, that's the culture that, that makes it so hard to challenge these things. Those things exist um, because of an underlying culture. So, so I think there's for sure room for us to challenge those things, but we must go to the root first. So I feel like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to, to be like, no, we, guys, we should have a sexual harassment policy. But a sexual harassment policy will not stop the underlying thing because people adopt policies all the time. Mm. But if there's, a, if there's a, this idea that the man at the top can't be challenged. He's everything centers around him. It's not going to help anyone to have a sexual harassment policy. And I think that the way that that is challenged is we need to actually talk about these things. So like what we're doing here and we need to share our experiences. Cause another thing is that we don't talk about what we're going through. It's something that at just at a, at a high level in Zim, there are just some things that we just need to be like, guys, that's not acceptable. Like you don't talk about people like that. And I think people are doing that, but it's hard because you look like an outcast, people insult you. And I think that people who are in power, so we each have our own power and position and influence. I think about how I can influence um, in, in the space that I'm in and the privileged position that I find myself in and how I can challenge these things and risk my own position for the sake of other people. I feel like that's what it's about. Mm. And it's not just, is there room? It's necessary. Like we need to do it. Mm. We have to. I mean, you hear stories about, you know, companies that stop taking female interns simply because they can't, they don't feel like dealing with the sexual harassment issue without actually getting to, yeah, I've heard about that. (laughs) Uh, without actually getting to the root of the problematic you know, oh. senior staff, they're just like, okay, we're just not going to have women in jail, yeah. you know, and it's really yes. sad when it turns wow. into locking out opportunities for some people because mm. people are mm. afraid, I guess, with the hierarchies that we've spoken about, people mm-hmm. are afraid to challenge the status quo. And we are stuck in a place mm-hmm. where we kind of look at our employers as parents. So it gets kind of awkward yes. to talk to them about these yes. And it's either we look at them that way or they exert themselves that way. It goes both ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think overall, um, my experience so far in formal employment is because we're trying to, you know, reach world class standards as like a lot of Zimbabwean companies are like, yeah, we want to, you know, keep up and compete. Maybe when, you know, multinational companies want to, you know, partner up with local companies to for bigger projects Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, Mm -hmm. there's still our very backward, like you've described work environment, trying to pursue Mm -hmm. very modern and really complex sort of goals, global goals. Mm -hmm. What I've experienced with that is that I am expected to work crazy hours Mm. on weekends, um, meeting time zones. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, I guess there's no adapting our work environment. It's sort of like, we want to have the same Mm -hmm. really heavy and, um, old-fashioned work culture but to do these like really modern mm-hmm. sort of things and I have no extra time and I mm-hmm. found having a work-life balance very very difficult 
So in, in your experience, mm -hmm. is a work-life balance possible in the Zimbabwean economy? In addition to also having to hustle mm -hmm. to get really basic things, like I want to go on holiday, so I also have to do my mm -hmm. formal job. I have my side hustle. <laughs> I have all of these mm -hmm. things going on. But there's, is there actually time to be like leisurely? Is there time to have like a non-income generating hobby? Like what is, is there, do you think? Yeah, so what you described is so, it's spot on in terms of you're expected to meet a certain standard, but the resources that are made available to you are like 10% of the resources that people um, in other places would have. Mm -hmm. And that creates a huge problem. So, so you know, I, I think that generally life is work, like that's your life. Mm -hmm. If you want to do certain things, if you want to meet certain goals, you're forced to work yourself to the bone from from my experience personally in 2019 I basically had a breakdown my health just completely um no no not completely but I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease that doesn't act like no one knows what causes it and I just had to stop and rethink my life and be like okay Zola what what do you actually want to do what's your goal with working this hard um and I think that's a symptom of what what you're describing this economy and just the way you're having to hustle left, right and center. And I think, and on top of that, you are supposed to maintain a social life and somehow find someone to marry mm -hmm. when you're, you never actually have time to do all these things. Yeah. And like, if you believe in God, maintain a relationship with God and all those things, the pressure is a lot. Um, but I think I have found a way of, of doing it. And again, it's, it's privilege, Kim. So this, throughout this entire conversation, I'm so conscious of the privileged position that I'm in, and I'm conscious of people who don't have the privileges that I have. Like I can say I'm going to play music, like later today I'll have a band practice. And that's just, you know, that's just for free or whatever. Like I'm just playing music for free. And that's not everyone who can do that. But I, I find myself in a place where I can make choices. But I think overall, the majority of people don't have that luxury. Basic thing is a luxury. Um, so, so yeah, that's how I would answer that. Mm. And it's a problem, Kim, because I, I think it, it, it goes back to, it reinforces why people, people are too tired to challenge things. I mean, really, like... If there's an unjust rule in your workplace, where will you find the energy to be challenging it when you're just tired, mm. you know? You, you're just trying to keep your job, you know? So it just, that entire thing, all those things work together mm. to um, keep us in the place we're in. Thank you so much for sharing that, actually, because I feel like um, even when I do this podcast, I always think I'm in a position of extreme privilege and I'm very mm -hmm. conscious that, you know, my listenership is going to be people who have the time and the resources to be able to mm -hmm. sit and listen to um, a podcast. I have a number of my friends who are like, oh, I listen, you know, when I drive on my way to work, I'm like, because you drive yes. way to your job, like that's how, <laughs> you know, you're able to to engage in these things. And I think the privilege yeah. part does make um, this discussion in the Zimbabwean yeah. context very layered. But I also agree mm. with the, the challenging policies, because at the end of the day, it's that scarcity 
mentality. It's like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, my mm-hmm. job really sucks and there are really unfair things going on. But if I challenge it, I may mm-hmm. lose my job and that would be 10 times worse than what I'm actually mm-hmm. going through. And it's quite a sad mm-hmm. place to be in, honestly, as a country. Um, it also mm-hmm. makes me think a little bit back to my experience in university during the Fees Must Fall protests when um, a lot of the people at the front lines of the protest were young middle class people. And the much poorer students who um, were, you know, either on some form of financial aid or grant or were being supported by their entire community as like the one that they're mm-hmm. sending to university didn't mm-hmm. th- their voices were not either um, accounted for during these protests or they just didn't participate. You know, they would be mm-hmm. in the rooms actually studying because they're like, listen, guys, if I wow. can't afford to change yeah. my bus ticket home. So if we don't write exams. Yeah at this time i literally have no idea how i'm going to get home and so like that's when i became grossly grossly aware of my privilege even as an immigrant i was like okay well mm-hmm. exams could be postponed mm-hmm. but you know i haven't even bought my flight yet because i'm going to fly home so <laughs> it's just those things yeah. i'm so aware yeah. that guys actually yeah. we're not having the same conversation here considering that a majority of Zimbabweans are not formally employed mm-hmm. and even in formal settings that are actually not fully registered or this is not actually a company it is really difficult mm-hmm. to switch out of the workplace culture that we've been ingrained in because a lot of people are just trying mm-hmm. to survive i would encourage Kim, like anyone who is listening who happens to be like if you're privileged if you have the privilege of actually um being able to to make decisions and have different options. I think that it's it's important to think about what your values are and the, mm-hmm. the kind of place you want to work at because your career is yours. Your career is not anyone else's and you should never be waiting for someone else to create the environment that you want. Either you create it in the place where you are or you identify those things that you're looking for and find them somewhere else mm. but maybe just to encourage people to say like if if you know what you want go for it either create it if there's room to create it where you are and don't wait for other people to come with you because your career is yours um and if you if if you have the privilege of having an education and having the type of education where you can be in formal employment in this country then you know use that and and go for the things that you want while also making things better for other people i love that to round up the episode thank you so much sola this was such a lovely conversation i had a really great time thanks kim and well done for this please keep going with it i love what you're doing um and your previous two episodes well done keep going and thanks for having me And that is the episode. Thank you so much once again to Zola for joining us this week. And thank you, the listener, for your continued support. Please do not forget to follow us on Instagram at In This Economy Podcast and follow me, your host, at Kim Yajeka on Twitter. I would love to hear your comments about anything we discussed that you can relate to as far as your experience if you are formally employed. So yeah, I will catch you next week. Thank you so much and goodbye.